0: Ooh, you are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Well, this is Keith Price, and welcome back to another edition of Keith Price's Curtain Call. And I'm very excited because I have some theater legendary action going on in here. This is going to be really fun. I hope you guys are ready for this because, again, as I always tell you, when you come to New York, yes, everyone loves them some Broadway. That's, you know... That's one of the big draws of coming to New York City. But at the same time, you can't miss what's happening off-Broadway because there's a lot of really great things. And one of the things that I love about this show that we're going to talk about now, and having the adaptive creative team here <laughs> to toss our hair, <laughs> for the wonderful show, Sheer Madness. And it is the fun, interactive Who Done It. And again, it is one of those shows that no matter when you get to see it how you get to see it it is so much fun for the audience member. we I'm sitting here now with Bruce Jordan and Marilyn Abrams and we are talking about earlier before the mics came on we were just talking about one of the newest shows that just hit Broadway that's giving you a lot of artistic, what is it? What did I call it? It was artistically adventurous. That's what I use. And as we were talking about it, I kept trying to figure out who in the hell you can market that show to. I'm not going to say what the show is because I'd like for the PR people to invite me back, but still.
1: (laughs) Well, our show is adventurously humorous. It's adventurously (laughs) humorous,
0: but it is something that, again, and we're talking about Sheer Madness, which is running now and through, right now wasn't it just extended through January, right? Right but now, not... I think
1: we're selling tickets through uh, June, actually. Through June. In, oh my God.
2: June, and we're going to be celebrating our first birthday here
0: in New York. Yeah, yes. here in New wow. York. Wow. We've been having now, a great year. This show, Sheer Madness, takes place in a beauty salon with uh, Tony, Mr. Tony, who is in charge of the beauty salon. And there's a murder. That happens and there's a whole cast of characters and one of the things about the show that is so much fun is as an audience member is that you get to help solve the crime now granted that sounds like who wants to go and do that extra work as an audience member <laughs> but I guarantee you that this is such a fun thing so now you guys have basically you adapted this piece right yeah yep. they adapted the piece and have made a cottage industry f- for, what, over 20-something years now? Almost 40. Oh, my God. The show's been running in Boston for 37 years.
1: Oh, my God. It's in God. its 37th year. We I'm...
2: opened it for eight weeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talk about an open-ended run, right? Oh, my God. So tell me... When you because you both have your own experiences as actors and performers in your own right, like Marilyn. I was just reading your, your credits. Like you've you've played MAME or you were in MAME.
2: Yes, no, I played MAME. You were oh my god. That was my my desire. I was going to be a great musical comedy star. It didn't quite work out that way. But you know what? The fact that I really have a job in the theater. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing.
0: It's fabulous. See what I'm saying? That's Marilyn Abrams with me here on the Curtain Call, we're just talking about the idea. I, I've been been kind of trying to think about how to couch our conversation because I want it to be a conversation. Most most importantly, but at the same time, you know, you guys are absolute testament to exactly the kind of audience. I, you know, I want people to know that there are careers in the world of theater that go beyond just being on the stage. I mean, that is that is one of the things that everyone notices, but you guys are doing it having had experience from behind, but you also have created this... Well, you know, one, one, of, one of the things about it, though, <laughs> Keith, is that uh, you you
1: learn every day. You know, we were given this—we first got a hold of this play. It was a very serious, Germanic uh, mm-hmm. whodunit, and they were going to drag somebody off and put him in jail forever, you know. And when we saw it, we said— well, you know what this play needs? It needs to be a spoof. You know, it right. needs to be fun. And um, that's really uh, what we – what when we first got the rights to do the play, that's really what we started doing is making it funnier and, of course, making it happen today in right. the city where it plays. So one of the things we try to do so that the ne- whenever people come to see the play, it's as fresh as it can be because we try to incorporate whatever's going on in the world today. And thank you, Donald and Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> We. That's a whole other interview for us. Oh my God! We try to we try to incorporate that you know something that's going on today into the show every night, and that's why you know a lot of scripts just naturally get older as they've been playing longer and longer. But the the cast and Marilyn and myself have the chance to update
0: it. Nightly. Well, see, that's the beautiful part about it. This is Bruce Jordan and Marilyn Abrams with me here on the Curtain Call. We're talking about sheer madness, which, if you are coming to New York, you should put this on your list of things to see while you are here. I know everyone's trying to get their Hamilton on. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, exactly. It's like, uh-huh. but you probably aren't going to get it, so get over yourself. Well, we
2: thought about saying, you know, Hamilton at Sheer Madness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I mean but but it's it's a it's a show that not only can you you come to and enjoy but it's something that you truly can bring your kids of a certain age and it not only engage them in the world of theater but at the same time you know what's so interesting that this piece is exactly what today's audiences are like. Because I don't know if you've been to the movies lately or if you've been to other venues that are supposed to be these public moments and you can see everyone interacting within themselves in the audience. Yes. It's like that's what this at least gives you permission and license to do. People
2: people really love that. Yeah. They they do. And I was a little nervous when we came to New York. You know, we've been so many places around the world and we've had – Such as you say, a cottage industry. And I thought, well, here we are in New York. And I don't know. The New Yorkers are very sophisticated and they are jaded and Mm -hmm. they've seen a lot. I said, I don't know if they're going to respond well. We found out that New Yorkers, you know, they say New Yorkers are aggressive. They are. <laughs> they are in on it. It's, it's just amazing. It. They and, have and, a lot to say. Yeah, and, I and, love and that. I like to think that when you're, when you're having your morning coffee and something strikes you funny, you can – be guaranteed it's going to be in sheer madness that night and that makes it so much fun isn't
0: so for you guys that is what helps keep it fresh every day cuz that's the thing about uh you know when you're in a piece like you know if you're doing a revival if you're doing a play you are pretty much locked into that whole experience as it is and this show for actors must be a dream well that's that's exactly it the um it the actors take
1: so much pride in landing that new joke or right. making that new situation happen. You know, they they during half hour when they're getting made up and everything, they toss these ideas around that are go, going to go in that night. And it gives them such a feeling of contribution when all of a sudden, bam, It's there's a laugh
0: that night that was never there before. Now, but now, okay, so you guys have adapted this piece. So you pretty much have the ownership of the words that are at least there originally. For you guys, what happens when that joke doesn't land?
2: Oh my goodness! (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Actually, we, that's we, a backstage secret.
1: We, <laughs> we, we, we have a thing called um, – uh, well, you know, the show was first in Boston and then it's in Washington. Mm-hmm. We have – like in Washington, D.C., we have a a, a thing called Washington Slept Here. And, <laughs> and that's a list of all the jokes that went down the tubes. Wow. wow. Uh-huh.
2: And, yeah. and in Boston, we have uh, – uh, on the back, there's a, a flat where we they call it Davy Jones's line. And that's where the thing that you thought was going to be so funny and you were putting in that night really sunk.
0: Wow. And then
2: it kind of becomes... Like his career. Yeah.
0: No <laughs> Shade. But, the shade.
2: But that's kind of the the fun of it. Yeah. Because honestly, you know, actors do like to uh, play jokes on one another. And if you create one of what you, these things that you think are going to be brilliant and they really do sink,
0: mm-hmm. then
2: it becomes a joke in the dressing uh, room, right, like, I remember mm, the night you did that? That was really terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> but you have to be daring to be in sheer madness. You have to be willing to to try something, because you don't know if it's going to land.
0: Well, do you know what's so fun, though? It's like, again, being someone who has—because, again, I, I hadn't—the last time that I saw you guys together, we were talking about— um, the first time I'd seen sheer madness and I'm from Texas and I saw sheer madness at the Zachary Scott Theater hi shout oh, out to Dave oh, yes. in Austin in, te- in Austin right. Texas this was in the 90s yeah the mid yeah it was mid Yeah, the mid-90s, when Boyd Vance, rest in peace, Boyd Vance was the lead Tony. And it was very revolutionary for us, you know, because we're like, we have an African-American who's not only playing gay, but is gay, Mm because, you know, this is Texas, and... Knocking it out of the park every night. Every night they had a huge
1: success. They, br- I think they brought that play back three or four, four times. times yeah. yeah, to the Zach Scott
0: Theater. Yeah. yeah. So you know, so for me, you guys go back that far with this piece, and even then, like I said, it was fun because each city it's kind of tailored to certain pieces of the city, like you know, certain. Uh, um, Location so that people that are in the audience are going to go, Oh my God, that was the one. They were talking about the bakery. (laughs) They were talking about that. And so you are, you're at least immersed in the audience. Like you you take the time to get enough information about where you are so that the audiences can be. That much more involved beyond just asking questions. That, of the crime. That's
2: really the magic of it. That's yeah. why it can last so long. I love because that because it takes place today in the city mm-hmm. where it plays. Every actor on the stage has an address where he or she lives. Mm-hmm. The shop has an address. Uh, all all localized. Right. So that um, it's very contemporary, and it it does it changes it changes all the time.
1: And you know the wonderful thing about it is that. You Like up front in the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. in the first couple of lines of dialogue, we try to put in something that's just happening. Right. And it then throws the audience into wondering wait a minute, is this whole
0: thing improv? Right. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the beauty of that. Yeah. That's the beauty yeah. of it. So now for you, like Bruce, you've directed this particular. Um, yes, here I do. In New York. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do that
1: with most, if. If, all, all of our, all of the uh, productions that Marilyn and I have produced,
0: and we're not producing the New York production, but I am directing the New York production. Yes, very groovy. So, for you as a director, then, what is what is it that you tell the actors when they're getting ready to sit down with that script for the first time? Well, number
1: one, the script is so fat that I tell them. <laughs> Not to be worried.
0: <laughs> do you
2: remember the Encyclopedia Britannica? Oh my God! Yes,
0: every year when the new ones would come out, the new book, the new book would come out, and you just add it to the list. Uh,
1: no, wow. I, you know, uh, because what we do with that script is give them. Um, uh, ideas of what's worked in the past at this moment or Mm -hmm. this moment or that moment. So we, we give them a lot of choices. But the wonderful thing about that script is that we sit down the first three days. We never get on stage. We just sit around a big round table and we adapt the script as a company to the location, I mean, we play at the Davenport Theater, but uh, which is on 45th Street, mm-hmm. just off 9th. But the hair salon has an actual address on 9th Avenue. And Perfect. so certain things happen, you know. When you're there. That is
0: so groovy. Yeah. That, I love that idea because that means if you were in Oshkosh and you're doing the show in Oshkosh because I just threw that name out um, like that, that city that. out there but like you you can adapt it for every environment well you know when you play
1: it in the smaller cities when you play it in Rochester, New York mm-hmm. or in Milwaukee, Wisconsin there aren't tourists there they're all locals Local. and, and in Austin, Texas yes. where Boyd did it I mean so they get those jokes. Mm-hmm. those Everybody in the audience gets the joke, which is fun. Here, it's a mixture because you have uh, tourists and locals and, you know, yeah. uh, Bridge and Tunnel people,
0: so they get most of the jokes, but some of them they don't. But then it's great that you use some of the, t- the current events, Absolutely. because then that helps kind of that's, solidify that's them every, here.
2: Everybody, and, and you do know that Bruce not only directed the show, but he was in it. We were both in it. When and you first did it, yes, that's Yes, right. we, we, we were in We couldn't afford it. any other actors. <laughs> now we have good actors. But Bruce played Tony Whitcomb. And um, I played Barbara DeMarco, the Mm -hmm. manicurist. Right. And uh, we played it The trampy manicurist. That's (laughs) it. But I graduated. As I aged, Uh I always wanted to be Mrs. Schubert, (laughs) the uh, society lady. And Mm -hmm. Bruce said, no, no, you can't. And we went through Boston. We went through Philadelphia. We went through Chicago. And by the time we got to Washington, I said, Bruce, I want to be Mrs. Schubert, and I want a new costume. (laughs) (laughs) You will so, find it in the budget <laughs> <laughs> So um but it it it's the thing that's amazing I have to say about my partner is is it's very hard to mm-hmm. direct the show and be in it yeah. at the same time. I can
0: only imagine. So
2: um but he he's he's done that a lot and we we understand the actors though so much because we were there. We know we know all about what happens.
0: At least setting that scene is much easier for you guys at yeah. the beginning. Because yeah. you
1: well, this is our
0: scene. We're the one that said it from the very beginning. And you know, the the, the
1: times we've been most successful with the play is when you have three people who've done it before mm-hmm. and know the game, and three people from the locale that you're playing it in. And so that way they kind of cross pollinate. We get the humor of the local, you know, the, the right. local people help us supply it with that, and then we have you know the people who know how to
0: play the game. That's the best. that's yeah. Bruce Jordan and Marilyn Abrams with me. Now, Miss Marilyn, you said you had your career as an actress, and I was clicking around trying to get as much as I could, but it's it's very you're very elusive on the on the online: That's scene, because Marilyn. I'm
2: not famous <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the only thing I could find was Outtakes, the movie. Was that you?
2: That was, yes. But I don't think I was Dr. Ruth. She was in that. She was in (laughs) that that movie, too. But I know I did a lot of musical comedy work, Mm -hmm. and I did a lot of, you know, Bruce and I met in Lake George, New York.
0: Wow. Y'all are just local because you're you're from here. You're from basically from here, right? No,
2: we were both from living in upstate New York. And At we the met time. in mm-hmm. summer stock. But in, we're both originally Yorkshire's, from yes. the area. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right. And we met in um, a summer stock and that's, we did a number of plays together. And then Bruce brought the script, question mark, <laughs> of sheer madness around uh-huh. uh, to me. And I said, oh my God, what is this? And and we did it, but it was Bruce who really got me started. Then doing um, commercials, and I did a lot of them. And Bruce said, "You know, you have to go down to New York and do commercials." And he kind of took me around and got my resume and pushed me into the first um, into the first casting agent. And I got my first commercial. And I thought, "Wow, this is easy." <laughs> I don't think I got one for another two years. <laughs> But um that was uh, that that was um it and he got me started on that part of my career also. The but commercial
1: I mean, aspect. And, oh yeah, yes. and I was doing commercials at the time myself. I was making a living doing commercials. And my claim to fame is that I, I had three Super Bowl commercials. But this hey. was in the 1970s when nobody knew what a Super Bowl well, commercial was. Exactly.
0: It wasn't it wasn't the the cottage industry that that has become, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But you, Man. Brought up,
2: you brought up something interesting earlier, that when you said that there are jobs in the theater, there are so many things mm-hmm. that you could do. And That really did happen with Bruce and and myself. When we opened in Boston, I didn't even want any of the actors to know that I was one of the producers and creators of the show because I wanted just the dressing room to be just the actors. Well, what happened is we really couldn't afford to hire anybody to do all the jobs. (laughs) So we ended up doing doing all the jobs, and I had a lot to do with the marketing and selling the tickets, and I loved it. it. It's fascinating. And so when you say, you know, an actor's life is has a short span in most cases, mm-hmm. and there are so many aspects of the theater, if you really love it, that you can do and really enjoy. And stay connected. And, and stay connected and have a real life and earn a living if you're fortunate, because right. it's, it's hard.
0: It's really it's tough. It's a very difficult so, so when you took when you realized that you had to step into those roles to take those particular pieces together to make what you have now um the the difficult aspect what was the hardest thing to do or the most challenging thing to do once you started really getting into it like when you really had to start having those meetings about marketing and those meetings about sales and those meetings about, you know, the set design and the meetings about, like, that's... that's I think the beauty. biggest thing about it was getting enough
1: rest. And I think we both <laughs> napped from we five to six every day to be ready to go out and do the show every night. You know, yeah.
2: it's funny that you asked that also, because there are a lot of meetings involved and a lot of people involved in putting on a show. And the bigger it gets,
0: there's even more people. Well,
2: actually, Bruce and I have a board of directors meeting. We do. And it's the two of us in our jogging suits. (laughs) (laughs) So we never really really had that. It's strange. I know. It sounds crazy. No. But it's the truth. We just figured out, and it isn't that – after we after we began to be successful and we began to earn money we did then hire people to to, to do all mm-hmm. of these jobs but we had done that we had we knew about the marketing because we had to, we had to figure it out mm-hmm. we couldn't go to somebody and pay somebody and in a way it was good for us because we just did what made common sense to us rather than what was necessarily customary.
0: Now, now in this new day and age now with social media, how has it changed for you? I mean, because, again, you were, you're were you doing this with notepads and, and yellow pads. Yellow pads. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And yellow. so from that to what's going on now, how have you managed it? How yeah, have you managed to do that? That's a big
2: change. Uh, yeah. well
1: you know um we we went to people we have a wonderful girl on staff who does um all of our uh social media stuff mm-hmm. um and you know it, and but that developed over a period of four or five years as we saw this had to happen and this had to happen. Right. I still have my yellow pad. I can't live without my yellow pad. I, I know you have a phone. I I'm was very impressed. Well, you
0: know, but it just, all it was is basically it's the notes that I had that I sent to myself in an email so that uh, I could just open it up and not have to sit uh, here with well, the computer see that, in front that's a little bit more than a little bit of a little bit of a It's like I had a conversation once with um, Gretchen Cryer, sure, and you know she's working on like several different things. Now Gretchen Cryer, of course, for those of you who don't know, she's John Cryer's mother. But at the same time, she was um, very um, uh, instrumental as part of that women in theater movement back in the late '70s and early '80s, and was um, getting my act together and putting it on On the the road. And we were sitting here having a conversation, and she said, "You know, I'm working on my next." Uh, play, And she pulls out this yellow pad. She goes, I don't care what everybody else is using. I'm still writing it down on the yellow pad. It is like holding on to, I guess, a piece of tradition. Is it well, is that think way? You,
2: yeah, I think you'll learn to think that way. Yeah. If I have to write something important, I have to use a yellow pad. I mean, I can toss something off on the computer otherwise mm-hmm. – but if it's really something, where do you put your thoughts if you don't have a yellow pad, just, just throw it on the top of the page exactly. or something? But it's all a matter of, of what you're used to. But the social media was a very big change for us, and we did have to uh, hire someone to help us because it's it's a whole new Well, it's an entire
0: industry piece on its own.
1: We have this wonderful um, uh, head of uh, audience development. She now lives in uh, Ireland. But probably 10 years ago, (laughs) she said to us, uh, she said, you know, nobody's going to buy tickets at the box office anymore or through the. They're all going to do it online and, you know. I'm with my first little IBM notebook trying <laughs> to figure out how to turn it on, and I'm thinking, oh, she's crazy. Nobody's ever <laughs> going to that a ticket online. <laughs> and, what?
0: And there, and there, Now here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Because if, now if you don't do anything online, you're screwed, basically. Yeah. It's I pretty mean, much and online. really,
2: and on your phone, yeah. most of the ticket sales come from the mobile phones now. I mean, it was a big change yeah. to buy them your computer, but now most of the sales are are, uh, uh, done on the telephone. Because,
0: I mean, you know, we're we're from that generation, too, of the getting up early in the morning, going to the box office, waiting in line, you know, if there was a concert that was coming. Sometimes we'd have to spend the night on the streets waiting Mm -hmm. to get... You don't do that anymore. Or the generation (laughs) of me growing up in Amityville, Long
1: Island of sending in my $3.75 in the mail to get the front row first Wednesday matinee of Camelot. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Penny Reeser and Bobby (laughs) Flaggenheimer.
0: So wow! So that means you guys have had the opportunity to see how the world of theater has changed from a a certain period. (laughs) From From a certain period when you know it was it was you know it was about the stories, it was about the pieces, it was about the actors doing what they were doing, and now we're it's it's a whole it's all of that plus now. So for you guys now with this. Watching your piece having to grow into this this new generation, has it been um, has it been a challenge for you both to just step to you because you got to step to it if you want it to still keep popping. I have a know? real
2: question that I haven't answered to my own satisfaction um, with the social media and now newspapers. People don't have newspapers as much and and. The many normal f- forms of advertising, mm-hmm. and you're ha- you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, and we know how many clicks we get. We know who goes to the box office, but I still haven't figured out, and maybe maybe somebody'll get me the answer, how influential it is if you're on Facebook. Um, somebody says, well, I went to Share Madness, I had a great time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess that's your word of mouth, which is really the most powerful form of advertising. But it's very difficult to determine how much you're influenced, your ticket sales are influenced by social media.
0: See, and I'm glad that you said that because I recently had a meeting with uh, someone about helping me get this podcast itself marketed to a, a, a larger audience. And one of the things that was asked of me in the, in the meeting, which was, so how many Twitter followers do you have? And how many likes do you have for your, your Facebook page? And how many followers do you have on Instagram? And, and I sat and I said I was, I, I was a, a sad because for them, it's about the actual, the, the marketing people, it's about a magical number. But I, like you, have the same question, which is: just because you have ten thousand followers, and you advertise whatever it is that you're trying to advertise through your thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to engage. You know, like it. It, and I'm, I'm always well, flabbergasted. And, and, you by know, that Keith,
1: that's also true on the casting end, right? Uh, you know, uh, if 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 you know that there's somebody who's auditioning for you who has twenty five thousand followers, mm-hmm. you wonder. I wonder if they're better than the one who has no
0: followers. <laughs> well, you know what? It's Oh, my God. Oh, this just taps right into something. I, I have a friend who is, you know, she's a bit of a name. She's had a little bit of a name for herself. And she went to audition for Chicago for a Mama Morton position. Like, you know, it's, it's that kind of show now where they're just calling everybody. Sure. And they said to her before she even sat down for the audition process that because she didn't have enough followers... They really weren't thinking about putting her or, or letting her go through the audition. And I thought to myself, yikes. Wow. I mean, you know, and it's a name that if the name was on the marquee, people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember her. She's really, yeah, she's a great singer. But they wouldn't basically let her through the door because, you know, there's somebody else that has more followers. And I'm thinking, but just because you have more followers doesn't necessarily mean that all of those followers are going to spend however much it is that they need to spend to go see a show.
2: But it has become a hiring tool, Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, I mean,
0: I, I learned that lesson a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, I guess I better get some more Twitter followers. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, content doesn't mean anything as I sit here with Marilyn Abrams and, and Bruce Jordan of Sheer Madness. Now, if people want to find out how to get their tickets to Sheer Madness, they go to Sheermadness.com Sheer Madness. or nyc.sheermadness.com here in New York. Yeah. Um, and, and Sheer Madness, it's playing everywhere. So if you are wherever you are... Look it up. It might be there in your town. Yeah. I think it's fabulous. Oh my goodness, it's wonderful.
2: Well we have some long running shows. Like the, in, in Boston it's it's been running for thirty seven years. Mm-hmm. And in D C it's at the Kennedy Center for twenty twenty-six years, twenty-seven years. So those are the long runs. Mm-hmm. But the um, various cities in around the across the United States, but actually we've been in Paris for four years.
1: And we won, yes. yes, and we won the uh, Moliere
0: Best Comedy Award in Paris
1: uh, four years ago.
0: See, and I was going to ask, when it comes to translating this in other languages. Dernier coup de saison,
1: the I final know. cut of the scissors. Yeah. Oh, my. What, what yeah. we
2: do is whoever, <laughs> whoever adapts Ooh. the play or directs it uh-huh. has to come over to the United States and train with one of our directors so that Perfect. they learn how to play the game. I and they, then
1: they get to na- they, like, like in in Tel Aviv where it ran for seven years. It was called Roche Sugar, <laughs> crazy in the head, you know. Um, you know, and, I... and uh, Corte Fatal, the fatal cut, cut. meaning the fatal haircut. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So
0: that's that must be really thrilling. I think to have I'll your tell work you, one of the great... that deeply into-
1: one of the great moments in my life was sitting at a table of Marilyn and myself a couple of producers and and eight actors in the uh, 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 having dinner with the Acropolis lit up behind us uh, uh in the uh, 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 what's that section of Athens? The Plaka. Yeah, I think so. It was, and then and being out in the uh, at two o'clock in the morning with uh, which is where they eat the time they eat dinner in uh, Buenos Aires. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, eating on the streets with the actors after the show, yeah. and sharing this um, wonderful play that, you know, the same things happen. When, when we first opened in Barcelona, they said to us, uh, that was our first foreign production, they said, nobody in Barcelona is going to really get involved in the play because, you know, they've just finished Franco rule, mm-hmm. rule and to talk to the cops would be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, we got to the part in the play where the, where the audience maybe mm-hmm. will take part in the play or not. And there was this resounding screaming and yelling. Everybody in the audience had something to say. Wow. So that that universal thing is 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 very special to us. And it's <gasps> the sun never sets
0: on sure, madness. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God your accountants are thrilled, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So again, when you look at this this moment of being in Lake George, sitting there for the first time with that book, that script of sorts, as you said before, and look at how it is just that kernel and how it's grown into what it has become, you must be pretty damn happy.
2: Well, we are happy and we're very grateful and we've had so many colossal experiences and so much fun. I, I have to say that my partner, Bruce, has a fabulous sense of humor. Yes. So, you know, you have dark days and things that don't go so well. But we usually find something to laugh at because there's, there's always just something that manages to strike us funny. But I mean, being... All so many places in the world where where Sure Madness is playing and seeing the people, everybody reacts the same way and usually at the same spot. And we don't even know, understand the language a lot, but we know if the show's any good because we know where the laughs are. That's it. So it's been, it's just been terrific.
1: And I just wish that all of the people at the Hop Hog unemployment office. That I used to go to every week in 1975 would come and see the show because wow. I've been employed since 1978. <laughs> you're the, you're the success
0: story. <laughs> they should have a picture <laughs> of you in the office. Wow. Well, God, Bruce Jordan, Marilyn Abrams, thank you guys so much. This was a lot this of fun. This has been delightful. You're Thanks a lot of so fun. much. This, just wow. And for you guys that are listening, again, sheermadness.com, nyc.sheermadness.com. Um, dot com. If you're going to be coming to New York City, there's a cast that's running in Boston. There's a cast in D.C. And I'm telling you, this is for those people that are listening that you have your community theaters, you have your your regional spaces. This is the perfect piece to bring in not only to bring in, you know, good quality, fun theatrical experience, but this is a way to engage your community. Because, again, if you're bringing in, you know, the sights and sounds of wherever it is that this show is, and this show is really about not only just the actors on stage, but this is about the audience as well. So, gosh, thank you guys so much. This was really groovy. Thank you. you. Really, really groovy. This was so much fun. So, again, go to sheermadness.com, nyc.sheermadness if you're coming to the city, Boston, D.C., and you know hassle your theaters that's parts what we love to Parts Unknown and Parts Unknown oh Pauly lee oh lee I love it I love it and we will be back